Well, thanks. Fun to be down here. I, uh, um, and I, it's hard because I know you're like, oh, shoot, it's not Mike. I got it. <laughs> I get it. But uh, it's still fun to be here. And it's great. It's fun to I know some of you guys. And so it's good to see some familiar faces. You guys are down in the splash zone. No guarantees in, over here, guys. Sorry about that, as I feel kind of close to you. But it's an honor to be here. I know you guys are... All I do is hear, just hear these great stories about how God is just working in this church. So I, I literally am, am privileged and honored to stand here and, and kind of speak to you through God's word. So let me pray, and then, uh, then we'll get going. God, just, um, just pray, Lord, that you will just uh, speak to the hearts of everyone here, Lord, that you will give us something that you want us to take from here, that you will, um, that you will just give us a piece of something, Lord, so we can be more like you, so people can see you through us, so we can draw closer to you, and so we can be obedient and loving. And so, Lord, just please speak to us and, and speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Some time ago, I got, I got two friends who live kind of on my street who are both pastors. And so some time ago, uh, we, were, um, we were out on a run, and we're out on a run up in the hills. I kind of live, I, I, I up, live up kind of by, up, it's called Bomber Canyon, Shady Canyon, kind of in the hills over there, kind of up against it. And so we're out on this run, and we're going, and we're running uh, the trails, and then we kind of hop a fence, and we keep going up into the hills, and we kind of keep hopping. So we're kind of getting off the beaten path, and we keep going up. And it sounds more like, you know, we're not like, we're not, we're, you know, we're not like on this, it sounds like we're better runners than we are. We're like on a fast-paced walk, running up in the hills, trying to get out of chores and stuff from the wife, looking to kill time. So <clears throat> as we're up in the hills and everything, we keep going, and all of a sudden we're kind of walking along and we just smell something kind of rancid. And we're like, what is that? I mean, it smelled like, you know, like how you would envision like mayonnaise out in the sun for a few days, like a big toe. It's something really like kind of really rancid, so almost felt, smelled like something like it was rotten or something like that. And so then we keep walking slash running, and, um, <clears throat> and all of a sudden we hear something in the bushes. And as we, as we hear it, it has kind of like, it has a weight to it. I mean, it's something like, you know, I've heard like rabbits, and I know like what Cody's, what's a, it wasn't that, it was something bigger, you know. It would be like, uh, if we were like in eastern Washington, you'd be thinking maybe Bigfoot right about now, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> And so we keep listening, and, again, and we're out, nobody's out there, so there certainly isn't a person. And so all of a sudden, we start to put two and two. Wow, noisy, sounds like four paws, kind of a weight to it, rancid smell, like there's a kill out here, you know, something like that. And so we're on this trail, and you can kind of see us kind of, we're like jockeying for position. You know, no one wants to be the guy that hides behind the other guy, <laughs> but we're jockeying for position. We're thinking, what is out here? And then uh, it's at that point where I'm like just grateful I'm running with two pastors. <laughs> yeah, because you know how the story goes. I don't have to outrun whatever comes out of the bushes. I just got to outrun one of these two yahoos, you know. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. So we kind of ease our way away and, uh, and kind of, and we never see it. Two days later, um, one night, a, a dog is attacked in the backyard of a house two doors down. Three nights later, I'm in the backyard. I'm in the back of a house, and I see in the backyard. I see just something kind of flash by, and then all of a sudden, I hear like some skirmish in the house in the backyard of the next door house. And I go and tell the neighbor, and the neighbor said he just saw something grabbing a small dog and taking it over the fence. <clears throat> 
Three, da three days later, uh, a ranger comes from Bomber Canyon and gives them back uh, their dog's collar. Like that helps. But we realize there's something out there, and we all have dogs, and we got small kids. We're, kind of, we're keeping them close. We realize there's something out here, something we can't see, something that feels kind of dangerous, something that has infiltrated the neighborhood. Um, the Bible tells us that, spiritually speaking, there's something out there that we can't see that is dangerous, that is around us, and it's, and it's out to, to uh, impact, impact our, 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 uh, the way we live life, impact our relationship with God, impact our morality, impact our purity, impact our kids, go after our future. It's something that wants to go after our, um, the things that are physical, things that are relational, things that are emotional. The Bible says that there's, there's something out there. We can't see it, but it's out there. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, as we keep going through the book says this, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is saying this, Oftentimes you think that our battle is against flesh and blood. But our battle is against something spiritual, something that we can't see. I mean, we, we can't see it with a microscope, can't see it with night vision goggles. Maybe, only, maybe the only way we can see it is maybe with a rearview mirror. Those times in our lives where we'll look back and we'll think to ourselves, how, how could we have been so confused? Or how could we possibly have done that? Or what was I thinking? How could I possibly think that that was a good idea? How could I have been so deceived? Those times we look back in our lives and we feel that. Or maybe it's not a rearview mirror. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a mirror. And you're thinking that right now. How could I possibly thought that that was a good idea? Or maybe it's not us. It's the people around us, the people we love. Maybe it's our friends. Maybe our family members. And we're watching them. And we're watching them make decisions or do things and think things. And we're thinking to ourselves, why are they so confused? Or what possibly makes them think that that is a good idea? How does that happen? Well, we know that happens because there's something out there. Something that wants to impact our lives. Something that wants to bring us trouble. Something that wants to confuse us. Something that wants to deceive us. We will never see him. We will never see it. But it is out there. Three nights ago, um, I'm on the couch, sleeping, middle of the night. I snore, long story. Um, <laughs> so I'm on the couch sleeping, and I got, we got a flat roof on our house, and all of a sudden I go, hoo, hoo, across the roof, something loud. So I get up out of, off, out of bed, off the couch, and I run to the front porch, and I open the door, and I step out there, and I'm face-to-face -face with the biggest bobcat I've ever seen, like right looking at me right in the eye. And not budging. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, me and boxers on the front porch, pretty imposing. But no, it doesn't move at all. <laughs> so I slowly turn around, shut the door, look out at it through the window, thinking to myself, you've finally shown yourself. Finally seen it. You know, our adversary will never show himself. 
never see him. His job is just to cause us trouble, but not to scare us away. He will never be obvious. Because if he were obvious, we would see him for what he truly is. We would see him for what he is truly about. And we would turn our back, and we would run from him. Jesus talks about this in Scripture. Talks about this spiritual unseen world in John 8. Says this in John 8, verse 42. Jesus in a, in a dispute with the religious leaders, kind of who he is. They don't believe Jesus and all the things that he says he is. And so it says this in verse 42. It says, <clears throat> sorry. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus believes that there's an entity. Jesus believes that there's a person. Jesus believes this person is a murderer. Jesus believes that this person gets us through lies and deception. Jesus believes it's the devil, calls him the Satan. Paul says that there is a dark spiritual world, and he uses five times that we are up against it. Paul says there's a dark spiritual world that we are up against. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're going, man, I'm glad we're talking about this. We don't talk about this much you know, the spiritual world and the stuff that's going on against us. Maybe you're sitting here, you're going, hmm, somewhat interested, tell me a little more. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, this is exactly why I don't go to church. <laughs> and I get it. Devil, Satan, little red outfits, little pointy horns, little tail, nice little pitchfork. I get it. It's hard to understand hard to understand. I mean, I've seen the movies. I don't go home and I see lights flickering. I'm not seeing chairs move across the floor. I don't go into my room and see the, like, the cross upside down. I get it. I don't quite understand it. But Paul says it's true. And Jesus says he's out there. So I'm going with them. I'm believing in, that, in it because of what they have to say. And so you think to yourself, as you, as you kind of hear these things, you, think, you hear words like liar, you hear words like deceiver, you hear words like lurking, you hear words like murderer. And you start to think to yourself, this it seems kind of daunting, a little scared maybe, maybe even a little fearful, a little like, whoa, what's going on here? I remember growing up, when I grew up, the evil empire was the Soviet Union, you always hear about the Soviet Union. You hear about all the tanks they had. You hear about all the troops they had, all their submarines, and the most importantly, all their nuclear weapons. And as a kid, all I'd think about is, just tell me we got more. Bottom line, just tell me we're going to win. You know, I know that doesn't work in, like, nuclear war and stuff. I get it. But all I'm thinking is, just tell me we're going to win. And when it comes to Satan and all this stuff, just tell me this evil force. Just tell me we win. Just tell me we're on the good side. And I just want to remind you this, that we have to remember that no one is as powerful as God. God is the creator of all. 
God is the is is created creation, and He is all powerful. Uh, Satan cannot hold a, hold a candle to God. Satan is not even in the same league as God. If I was going to give it an NBA term, Satan is no Michael Jordan. We got to understand and realize that we are on the winning team. God is all powerful. God is all powerful. When I watch sporting events now, I get so into it, I, uh, I tape everything. And what I do is I tape everything, and then when I get home, I watch the ending to see if my team won and see how the ending goes. That's kind of just like, that way I don't watch everything, and then I'm dying because my team loses. So um, two weeks ago, I'm watching the PGA Championship. I'm watching the PGA Championship, and this young guy, it's golf, sorry, this, and uh, it's like one of the big majors. And this young guy wins. And I'm going, wow, cool ending. So I, I rewind back to the back nine. And I'm watching this young guy, and around hole 12, he's like five strokes back, and he just, gets a, he just hits one in the water. And I'm watching him. He's mildly concerned. He's melting down. He's kind of draw, you know. And I, and I want to I yell in the TV, I've seen the ending. You win. <laughs> I know how this ends up. You win. Don't worry. I know you're melting down or nervous. Same thing goes with us with Scripture. We know the ending. We know we win. We know that God has this great eternal place for Satan in hell, and he's banished there. So not only is this an eternal win, but we also know that we win in the here and now. Paul says this in Ephesians 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. It's because his mighty power wins out. We are already winners. Think back through the book of Ephesians. All through the book of Ephesians, Paul is teaching us that we have won, that we have victory. Remember some of the things he taught us. Things like you've been rescued from death to life. You have been redeemed. You have been made new. You are secure in Christ. You have an eternal inheritance. You are a masterpiece. You have the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again, Paul has said, we are victorious. We already have victory because what Jesus did on the cross. This isn't like Paul coming out and saying, hey man, there's a, there's a battle going on and it's dangerous. Let's just hope we win. Paul is saying, we've already won. We've already won. And then he's going, but I want to remind you that there's still a battle going on. And there's a battle going on of something that you can't see, and you'll think it's physical, and this thing is going to want to drag you into the dark side. And he's saying, just stay strong. Just lean on God. So when we start to worry, we always remember, we win when we cling to God. That's what Paul is warning us about. So we hear the story, and we think to ourselves, okay, tell me a little bit more. Well, you know, Jesus doesn't just talk about Satan. Jesus has an encounter with Satan. And you know what? We'll never see Satan's face. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll never show himself. But we can look at Scripture, and we can start to see his fingerprint. We can start to see his fingerprint so we can start to understand how Satan works and how he comes after us. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 4, and we're going to see a passage where Jesus has an encounter with, with Satan. Jesus has come on the scene. He's been baptized. God the Father says, I'm well, you know, well pleased with you, son. And then Jesus is going to go in the wilderness and be tempted by Satan in Matthew 4. It says this in verse 1. 
Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan's going, Hey, you know what, Jesus, now you're hungry. Why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Now, Jesus, he's turned water into wine. He's fed 5,000 with a couple of fish and some bread. This is not about feeding himself. This is not even about hunger. This is about who you're going to depend on. This is about who you're going to trust in. This is about who you're going to rely on. Are you going to try to do it on your own strength? Or are you going to rely on God? Jesus comes back with Satan. He says, man does not live by bread alone. Jesus takes us back to this Old Testament story about when the nation of Israel is led out of captivity from the Egyptians, 400 years of captivity by the Egyptians in the wilderness, and and every day the people of Israel, they go out, the Israelites, and they see manna on the ground. They see little pieces of bread. Every day God feeds them. Every day they go out and there's more manna. Every day they go out and there's more manna. Jesus is telling the story of this idea that Every day, God provided. Moses gathers the people before they go into the promised land. He gathers them together and he says this to him. He goes, before you go in, I want you to remember that you're going to go in there and you're going you're to tend to forget. You're going to start building houses and you're going to be tempted to rely on your own strength. Moses tells him, you remember that every day, God is the great provider. God comes through for you. God is the great, you can be dependent on him. And that's the story that Jesus takes Satan back to. Jesus is saying, you know what, Satan, yeah, I'm hungry. Just like we can look at Satan and we can go, you know what, Satan, yeah, I'm lonely. Yeah, Satan, uh, I feel like I'm hopeless. Yeah, Satan, I, I know that looks tempting. Or that looks like fun. Satan, I know everyone's doing that. Or Satan, I know people, I, that's what I'm supposed to do with people my age. I know, I know I'm supposed to be doing that. I know Satan, it seems like things are kind of helpless. But Jesus looks at Satan and he goes, you know what, Satan, I know I'm hungry, but God has proven year after year, over hundreds, over thousands of years, when his people are in need, God will provide. God will take care of you. You can be dependent on him. That's the story that Jesus tells. Last week, I'm cutting um, my lawn. I'm the only guy on the street that still cuts his lawn. And uh, not that like that's some badge of honor. Um, my son comes up to me and says, hey, Dad, can I help? I go, no, nah, I got it. I go, I'm fine. I do that with God all the time. God wants to step in. God, I got it. God, I'm fine. God, you know, you hang right over there. And when I need you, I'll call you. you know, and we do this. We do it like in our work. God, you know, I, I want you over here because, you know, this is a big deal. You might screw this deal up, God. You know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I don't want it to turn out some way that I don't want it to. You know, this is a big deal. I like this guy, God. Why don't you just, I don't want, don't mess this up. I like her, God. Don't mess. We, we keep God over the side. And we say, you know what, you stay there. I'll depend on you and I need you. And I'm feeling pretty good right now and I got it. Think to yourself, where do you tend to rely on yourself? Are there things going on in your life that make you more apt to rely on yourself? 
I rely on myself when I feel like, and we don't have a lot of money, but when we have enough money, I feel like, oh, whew, we're good. We made it this month. We're fine. God, you know, we got things. We're okay. Just hang over there. Like God, you know, when we got money, God kind of just hangs over there. Or, you know, I got four kids. When there's harmony, when we're, like, getting along, God, you know, non-factor, God just hanging over there. When do you tend to just depend on yourself and kick God to the side? Satan's great temptation is coming to us and says, you know what, handle it yourself. You don't need God. I want to challenge you every morning. Think to yourself, how can I depend on God today? Think to yourself when you wake up in the morning, what are the ways today that I'm going to be self-reliant and think that I can do it all, and how can I depend on God? Satan then takes uh, Jesus to another place. Then the devil, devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. So the devil takes Jesus to the highest point on the temple. Jesus is on the temple looking down. All the religious leaders, all the guys that are like going to think Jesus is not God and all those things like that. All the guys are going to mock Jesus and everything like that. The, the devil takes him up to the highest point. And he says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. In other words, make a big splash. Come on the scene. You know, they're not going to believe in you. You've got you to do something big. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up you up in, the, in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. I mean, you know, God will save you. You know, throw yourself down. God will rescue you. Nothing's going to happen to you. Go ahead. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan's saying, do something reckless. Satan's saying, take a chance. Satan's saying, go out on a limb. Force God's hand. Go do something. And if God really loves you, he'll take care of you. Or Satan's saying, maybe you go and do something and God doesn't come through. And, and, and Satan whispers, I told you God wasn't there. I told you that he doesn't love you. That's what he echoes to us. That's what he says to us. You know, he's saying, you'll get rescued. Go do something dumb. It's like in high school, you know, I used to be, I used to be together with the guys, and they'd, I'd be the guy that they'd say, please go do that, you know, it'd be cool. And so you're together with the guys, you can do something dumb, you can do something maybe, maybe like illegal or something like that, and one of the guys always says, hey, don't worry, my dad's a lawyer. <laughs> Get me fine, my dad's a lawyer. Go do it, he'll take care of you. And we do this in our lives, we're reckless, thinking, ah, God loves me. Last week, I'm, uh, I'm driving my car down the, the freeway, and I'm pastor of the day. Pastor of the day means you get this phone call. Someone will call, pastor, they're in trouble. So they call the pastor, and I you answer it. I'm the guy for the day. So I'm pastor of the day, and I'm calling. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. I'm on the freeway, and I don't have Bluetooth or anything, and my wife's always bugging me to get Bluetooth, and everything, so I never, but I don't have it. So my phone rings. I see pastor of the day, and I look over, and there's a, there's a highway patrol guy right next to me. And I'm like, Shoot. I'm thinking to myself, Oh, man, I'm a pastor. There's a pastor of the day call. There's no chance. I mean, you know, big deal. There's no chance. So I answer the phone. I'm talking to it. All of a sudden, I look over. He's gone. So I'm fine. I'm fine. All of a sudden, rearview mirror, lights blaring, pulls me over. And so I'm like, are you kidding me, God? I'm the I'm pastor. This is like a pastor of the day call. You're giving me a ticket for it? So I put the guy on speaker, and I'm trying to, 
I'm trying to play it out like it's some life or death. I'm a pastor, life or death. I had to answer this, you know. Guy comes back, hands me a ticket, drives away. You know, we do, we do dumb things. We do things that are kind of stupid. We take risks or chance, and we think, ah, oh, God, God will take care of this. You're in love with someone, and you're going to marry him. He's not a Christian. That's okay. I'll pray for him. God will work on him. I know she's not a Christian, but God will come. This will all work out. They'll be fine. Everything will be great. You get upside down with our finances. I know we're being stupid. I know we're, we're going, I know we're, I know we're doing all, but God, God would never let this get out of hand. God would never, like, let this all kind of fall in on us. I mean, God, I mean, I go to church. I pray about it. God would never let that happen. We get out of control on the weekends. We go a little too far with things. Maybe too far with boyfriends or girlfriends or people. God would never have her get pregnant. I'd never get, God will never get pregnant. We, we, God loves me. I pray about it. Where in your life do you find yourself being reckless? Stepping out, doing things that you know aren't smart, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, that's okay, God loves me. He won't let anything terrible happen. Satan's saying, go ahead, do it. Or you know what else happens? You go out and you're reckless and, you, and, and just do something real dumb and God doesn't come through and you think to yourself, this is what Satan tells you. See, God doesn't love you. Or God isn't there. How are you maybe, as you think through your life, operating and doing those kind of things? In verse 8 it says this, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He's saying, You know, Jesus, it's just you and me here. No one's even watching. Why don't you just bow down? You could have it all now. Yeah, let's bypass the cross. I mean, why go to the cross? Or all that ridicule, all that torture. All that pain. Why all the blood? You can have it all right now. Just just cut a corner. Just do things on your own timing and forget God's timing. And how oftentimes do we do that? If I don't make it happen, it won't happen. If I don't cut a corner, it won't happen. I may not get the deal. My kid may not get into college. They may not like me. How do we do that in our lives? Where are you going after something? And it might even be good, but you're just cutting corners. Where are you operating in your timing? And you're kind of taking God's timing and you're pushing it away. Where's that happening in your life? You know, it's interesting how Satan comes after Jesus. Look when Satan comes after Jesus. He says this, For 40 days and 40 nights he ate nothing and became very hungry. That's, what, that's the state in which Jesus is in. Weakened, depleted. Satan will come after us when we are most vulnerable. You know, oftentimes it's not what he comes after us with, but when he comes after us. Oftentimes it's when he comes after us. When are you vulnerable? For me, I'm vulnerable when work isn't working. And I'm just discouraged. 
I'm vulnerable when me and my wife aren't getting along. I'm vulnerable there. I'm vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. <laughs> I have trouble sometimes when life isn't good or life isn't bad and I'm just bored. I'm just bored. When are you vulnerable? Maybe it's when you travel. Maybe it's when you were certain people. Maybe it's for certain days of the week, certain nights of the week. Maybe it's when you're lonely. Maybe it's when you feel like things are hopeless. Those are the times Satan's lying in wait, and that's when he goes after us, when we are most vulnerable. And you know what Satan comes after us with? His greatest, his greatest weapon. His greatest weapon, his greatest tool, God says, Jesus says this in John 8, verse 44, he says, there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He comes after us with lies. He is the schemer. He is a liar. Satan will come after you, and he'll just whisper little lies. It's okay. Don't worry about it. No one's watching. Go ahead. Just do, you're supposed to. It'll be fun. Nothing will happen. I'm on the computer, and a little pop-up comes up, you know, see movie stars in lingerie. You know, and we all get that joke. And I'm, I'm looking at it, Satan goes, go ahead, open it. It's just lingerie. Well, and I'm thinking, wonder who it is. <laughs> you know, but I close it. But you get it. Lies. It's okay. What's the big deal? It's not one of those big things. I'm leaving the supermarket, and all of a sudden, I, I look down on my grocery cart, and I feel like I, got, I forgot I got ice, you know, underneath. I got a bag of ice, and I forgot to pay for it. It's those little lies. Don't worry. You're, don't pay. You're, how many times do they overcharge you? Just take it, right? Just the little lies, just the simple lies, things that you know, eh. But I take it back. Those are the times I win. There's plenty of times I lose. How are you lied to? What are the lies that you believe? You know, we all are insecure. What's your insecurity? My wife sometimes will talk about how um, we don't have money to do something or we want to get the kids something. You know what the lie I hear when she says that is? You don't provide. You're a crummy provider. You don't make enough. Why don't you go out there and do something? We all, it's our insecurities that Satan goes right after it. I bought a Prius. Whenever I get out of it at work, people literally laugh at me. Like, <laughs> really? Prius? I used to drive a, you know. So I get out of that thing. I used to drive a Tahoe. You know, what we drive kind of, we get our little self, and it's not good, but we get our self, you know. I crawl out of my little electric car. <laughs> You're such a whip. Not only are you a pastor, but you drive a little electric car. <laughs> My two boys has a friend over and watching TV, and on the TV it talks about how something about pastors, and their friend says, Pastors are geeks. I'm sitting right there. And my boys laugh. <laughs> what? See? What's the lies? Your kids think you're a geek. <laughs> we all have our lies. Where, what are the lies that you hear? What are they? You're no good. 
not pretty. Nobody likes you. Things are bleak. It's hopeless. You'll never get married. What is it? What are the lies that you hear? When Jesus talks about lies, he also talks about the truth. Behind every lie is a truth. And when you hear those lies whispered to you, and you know what they are, he comes after you when you're vulnerable and when you are insecure. And when you hear those lies, you, you shout them down for what they are with the truth. When I hear the lies, I'm a crummy, I'm not a crummy provider. I work my tail off. I make enough money. I mean, it's hard. we got four kids and things are crazy. But I am not a crummy provider. And my wife does not believe that. I am not a wimp. I drive an electric car. I get 46 miles of the gallon. Yeah, I'm smart. I'm smart. I don't miss that talk. I'm smart. My kids don't think I'm a geek. My, my son, I dropped him off at junior high camp two days ago. He brought me over to meet his friends. They, my, my kids love me. What are the lies? What's the truth? What is the truth? You know what's important, too? You know the people that you're around, your wives, friends, they have lies, and you, wouldn't, you could guess what they are. You could guess what they are. You know what the greatest thing in the world to do is? Speak truth into people's lives. Affirm them. You know what the lies are. Don't give in to the great tempter. He wants to come after you when you were vulnerable. Comes after your insecurities. He wants to take you out. Paul says in Ephesians 6, once again, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that so you can take out your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul believed in the devil. He believed that he is our major enemy. He believes it's not something that we we can see, but it's something that is out there. Paul believes that when my wife and I disconnect, my wife is not the enemy, but the enemy is a spiritual force that wants to do nothing more than ruin our marriages and wipe out our families. Paul believes that when we are discontent or things going on at work and we're having something an issue with someone, that the foe is not that person at work, but there is an entity out there that wants to do nothing more than create disharmony in your job, so you are disconnect with people, so you are discontent with your job. Paul believes that there's an entity out there that wants to deal and take out you, you physically and emotionally. Paul believes that there's an entity out there that will, will say, don't, don't, don't trust God. Handle things yourself. There's an entity out there that wants to go after you uh, and deal with your, with your morality and make you make bad decisions or your purity or your honesty. Paul believes that there's an entity out there that will whisper lies. You're no good. You're not enough. You can't do it. Go ahead. Everyone's doing it. It's fun. No one will know. And my prayer for us is when we hear those things, when we feel those things, and when we see those things, that we will call them out for what they are, and we will understand where they come from, and we will not give in, and we will not bow down, because we know who we are, 
we know whose we are. Because we are not at the mercy of the devil. Because we are God's. We are God's. And we can win. Let's pray. God, um, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will, Lord, just move within us as we tackle this world, God. And, Lord, as we come up against things that we don't understand, but we know that they are there, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will just speak truth into us, God, that you will give us the strength to stand firm. I pray for everyone in here who has their lies, who are biting on the deceit. I pray, Lord, that you will comfort them and be with them and help them to stand firm in you. We love you, God. We know that, we, that, 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 that nothing can stand against you, God. That, that we have the spirit in us, Lord, your spirit. And because of that, we are strong. And we went out. In Jesus' name, amen.